being the COVID coordinator went from creating these, you know, little projects for staff to being on task force with government agencies and trying to procure lab supplies and trying to procure then rapid test supplies and trying to procure them vaccines and then COVID treatment infusion. So it really just took off um, from there. From the University of Alabama's Culver College of Business, it's Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and on the show today, Wendy Morrell. Wendy is a graduate from both the law and business program here at the University of Alabama, and she is now the Director of Operations for Main Street Family Care. On this episode, we talk about her journey, both in school and through the COVID-19 pandemic in which she was able to pivot the company to address the healthcare needs of Alabama. I hope you enjoy this episode. How are you doing today, Wendy? I'm great, how are you? Good, what brings you back on campus by any chance right now? We are hosting a pitch competition for master's students. So this was open to MBA students and specialized masters. And we had a sort of open pitch competition to allow the students to make a presentation and um, try to win some award money from us. And who ended up winning the competition by any chance? Uh, it was Jack Tarek won first place. He had an idea for a STEM car, sort of a modular car model. And then Oakley Prell won second place. And he had some sort of portable water, don't kill your plants system that he was wanting to sell people. And I, as a plant murderer, really related to that idea. The green thumb. You always have to buy it or you have to actually already have it. <laughs> right. Now, uh, you went to undergrad somewhere else, unspeakable. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that school whatsoever. Uh, it was Mississippi State, correct? It was Mississippi State. And you came to Alabama and you did a JD MBA. Could you explain to the audience what that is? Yeah. So a JD MBA is a law degree. That's the JD part. And then a master's of business administration, the MBA part. And it is a dual degree program. So the law school and the MBA program both have a few different dual degree programs and JD MBA is one of them. So I originally was planning on going to law school, you know, med school was going to take too long to make a salary. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to law school. Um, so I applied, obviously got in, um, and I wound up actually switching to go to Alabama. I was originally going to another school and paid a deposit at a different school. This is a true story. And Alabama called me and they're like, we noticed we haven't heard back. And I said, oh, I'm actually going to this other place. And they uh, convinced me to come take a visit. And I absolutely fell in love and decided to come here. And originally was going to law school with the intention of actually doing talent agency work. I grew up in theater. That's my undergrad is in. And I was like, I'll just do the business side. I'm not the starving artist type. I can't live like that. I have a lot of friends who are mad respect, but I can't do that. And I was like, I'll just go to law school and do the, the business side of it where I can have a stable income. Came to Alabama, really fell in love with it. And while I was here, I learned about the MBA dual degree program my first year. And I was like, that sounds like a really great opportunity to you know, learn about business. I have an undergrad theater. I don't really know anything about business. And, uh, I, you know, found out about the MBA program, looked into that, thought it seemed like a great program, applied to it, got in. And it's just such a great program for people who are trying to be well-rounded in their careers. And also there are a lot of law students who aren't really interested in practicing. 
when you come out of law school, everyone's like, oh, where do you practice? What firm are you at? And it is not super uncommon, especially if you have a dual degree, to not practice or not be actively practicing. And people are always really surprised about that, but it's more common than you think. <laughs> and it does help you in whatever aspect of business you're going into to understand liability and and things that impact businesses, any sort of mitigation or negligence, being aware of that. It just really helps everything you do from the business perspective to have that background and understanding. Then on the MBA side, it is really helpful to have the legal background to, you know, understand what's going in into that. So I chose to do that program. It was a year extra. So I spent four years post-grad getting the JD and MBA. It is different than other programs like STEM Path to MBA, where they load you up on online classes throughout your undergrad. This is all postgraduate. Is you take a gap year um, and do your MBA course load. And then you go back and you finish out the rest of your MBA JD tenure by doing some duplicate courses and then some courses that are only counting toward one degree or the other. So they have this worked out very well between the two schools and communicate very well as to which courses will count for that credit. You can look very easily and see which classes you can take that will count for both. But every year, I would say there's only a handful of students that do that. If if that, maybe two or three every year. So it's not a super common track, but it's something that I would definitely suggest law students look into. MBA students, I'm really sorry about this, but you can't do it reverse. So you can't be in the MBA program and then apply for the JD MBA. It has to be the JD first, and then you apply to the MBA program. That makes a lot of sense. Great opportunity that Alabama definitely offers and not many people know about. Now, you're a student here, you're looking to graduate, and you start interviewing for jobs. How did Main Street uh, Family Care come up on your radar by any chance? They did some sort of recruiting event here. I don't really remember exactly what it was, maybe a lunch or an info session. And at the time, I was not interested in doing any sort of startup work at all. They were a startup at the time, rapidly growing, but very, very soon into their business. I was like, I'm going to be in a corporate environment and I'm going to wear beautiful outfits every day, walking on marble floors, like just owning the day. And that was really what I thought I was going to do. And I went to this info session, learned about the, the company and met their CEO, Sam Eskelson. And he really hoodwinked me into working for him because he is just such an influential leader. And you can really tell the passion he has for improving healthcare in Alabama and in other communities as well around the Southeast region. And I really wanted to be a part of that and be a part of helping that. But there was another component as well, of course. As I was working in my internships during the summers, I was working more of those office jobs. And I realized that they do not offer as much flexibility as the eight years of academia I was in. So throughout undergrad and throughout my postgraduate, I worked a million jobs. I was working pay jobs. I was volunteering for all these things. I was leader of this organization and volunteering for that organization. And I had just a very hodgepodge schedule. I was going to a class and then I was going to a job and then I was picking up lunch and going to Publix. And then I was going back to a class and I had a night class and then I had work in the evening and it was just all over the place. And I realized, wow, this is going to stop. And I was, you know, I'd done this, I was 26. So it's not, I wasn't super, super young, um, realizing, oh, this is all just going to pause and I'm going to have to clock in somewhere at eight. I'm going to have to stay in that one place till five. And that is just not the 
lifestyle that I had been accustomed to. And it just seemed very confining. And I didn't consider that there were other options at the time from a business perspective or a corporate perspective where it was much more fluid and these salaried positions that, you know, gave you a lot of autonomy from the get-go. That was something that was very important to me was I was seen as a producer and I was seen as, you know, trusted and a very hard worker. And I was a very hard and am still am a very hard worker and to have that respected and to have that trust and to be kind of treated like a, like a grown up and an individual contributor was important to me. And so I realized, okay, this offers me the opportunity to work under this very impressive leader. It gives me a mentorship opportunity to learn a lot from him and be a part of making this company something really great. And then also it gives me this sort of flexibility and agility that I had been accustomed to when I was working a bazillion jobs throughout academia and not have to sacrifice that. So you sit down, you interview for the position, you end up getting it sort of with uh, ministry family care. There's a whole backstory behind that. Obviously you were placed in a different position and then they were going through a little bit of restructuring, correct? Yes. So I sort of caught it, but I didn't. So they were interviewing at the time for someone to work under their COO for leading operations throughout the state. And I was interviewing, I guess, in the fall and winter of my last year for this. And they were growing so quickly that they needed someone like six months ago. They wound up hiring somebody else for that position, but Sam, our CEO, came to me at the time and he said, I have this other other opportunity. I want to you know, offer it to you. It's something that's new. So he was working on a bunch of different service initiatives at the time with telemedicine and some direct-to-consumer care, and that was really interesting to me, and it would also offer me the opportunity to work directly with him, and I took that position, worked in that position for two or three years to do the math. I'm not really sure. And, uh, then I got pregnant. Uh, I went to him and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. So this is thing, thing that's going to happen. And he said, great. Well, we've been thinking about moving you over into operations. So this is, you know, fast forward two or three years, the person who was over operations had left the company. Um, so there was sort of a gap there and he told me that. And I said, okay, this sounds good. I'll think about it. And we thought about it and thought that it would be a good move. And we wanted to make sure we took a look at all the operations in the company before taking the position. The plan was for me to move into that position when I got back from maternity leave, but go through everything in the back round to make sure that it was positioned correctly so that when I went to take over, everything was ducks in a row, you know, ready for expansion because we also had all these plans to grow the company again. And it sounded great. We had all this dedicated resource to go through. So that was early March, 2020. And you came back and, 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 uh, yeah, then everything sort of, uh, took off with COVID in healthcare, which was insane. Originally he told me, you know, you're going to be the COVID coordinator <laughs> to coordinate these efforts. Cause originally everything in healthcare shut down at that time, like everywhere was closed. We had no patients. We had then got PPP loans, so we had all the staff, but, you know, no patients, so nothing really for them to do. At the time, being the COVID coordinator was coming up with projects for these people to do. 
which I did. And we had like a whole plan for a couple months that we would have the PPP, you know, do all this extra cleaning and inventory purging all organized. And then I think like a week and a half passed. And then that's when everything spiked back up again. And being the COVID coordinator went from creating these, you know, little projects for staff to being on task force with government agencies and trying to procure lab supplies and trying to procure then rapid test supplies and trying to procure them vaccines and then COVID treatment infusions. So it really just took off um, from there. And then I did hit the pause, had the baby, did the thing, um, left for maternity leave, came back and shifted into operations when everything was still crazy in COVID. So since I've been leading operations, we've been in COVID madness and it's just now winding down and getting back to normal. So we're catching our breath and repositioning um, ourselves and making sure that we are really positioned for success in this expansion that we're experiencing. Congratulations on the success and the first kid, obviously a daughter, I believe. Yeah, she's a she's a girl child. Woohoo! That's what we're talking yeah. about. Um, I always like to ask these questions of people that are coming here. Obviously, you didn't go to undergrad here, but you did stay four years at Alabama mm-hmm. because of JD MBA. What's one memory that really sticks with you from your time here at Alabama? I'll be very cheesy and say that you know I met my husband here. I met him in law school. He is not an overachiever like I am, so he only got a law degree, and he left a year earlier than I did. But he, you know, he and I obviously met here, and then I have some very special close friendships that I've developed here, people that I'm still very good friends with to this day. I have a good friend from the MBA program, and I also have very good friends from law school. So the friendships, I would say, that I built, but also obviously my life partner, who now I have a really cute kid with, that's a plus as well. As we're talking about and what's one piece of advice you would give a 18 to 20 year old self looking back to my 18 to 20 year old self whew, i'm not sure can i give a broad piece of advice for 18 to 19 year olds in general i think that you know the best thing to do is keep an open mind and understand that there's not this catalog of jobs when i started undergrad and when I was really career planning, even before undergrad, you know, you're thinking about what you want to be when you grow up since forever. I really thought that there were like a few options, right? Like teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse, I don't know. Um, There weren't that many things. And you're just like, where's the catalog of jobs someone is going to hand me to see what I can pick from. And the real answer is so much bigger than that, because there are all these jobs you don't even consider, like someone does that. And there are a lot of jobs you don't consider, oh, that's actually a very important job, or oh, that's a very lucrative job. That's a very specialized job. So just realizing that there's not a catalog of jobs, and there are a lot of things and opportunities that are going to come along that will be unexpected. I was very type A and like, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to do. And it honestly threw me for a little bit of a loop when I went to law school. I remember sitting in torts with my professor there, and he was very econ driven. And he was explaining why these policies made sense because of how econ related to law. And I was loving this. I was like, yes, this is so good. And the rest of the class was hating it. They were like, we don't like math. We're bad at math. This is why we're in law school. I was like, what? you're supposed to hate math in law school. Um, I don't know if I'm in the right place because I really loved math and I really enjoyed quantitative stuff throughout my entire academic experience. 
And then when I did my MBA, I was like, oh yeah, numbers. This is wonderful. Um, show me the numbers. And I just never had considered before, you know, that I would miss that quantitative work and that you could marry qualitative and quantitative into different positions. And I just had never considered these jobs that are very unique, even in operations. I feel like people underestimate what you can do in operations and what kind of impact you can have. And you can manage people and mentor people, but you can also have this very direct impact on policies and, you know, how the company operates and efficiencies and all of these things. So just be open-minded and don't have your mind on one track. Realize that a different track doesn't mean any less success or less happiness. It may actually mean more success and more happiness than you were envisioning originally. That's Wendy Morell, Director of Operations for Main Street Family Care. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.